Chapter thirty nine of Memoirs of the Distinguished Men of Science of Great Britain, living in the years eighteen o seven to eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avahi in July two thousand twenty. Memoirs of the Distinguished Men of Science of Great Britain living in the years eighteen o seven to eight by william walker jr chapter thirty nine count rumford sir benjamin thompson doctor of laws vice-president of the royal society member of the royal institute of france etc born march twenty sixth seventeen fifty three died august twenty first eighteen fourteen Benjamin Thompson, the founder of the Royal Institution, and more generally known by the title of Count Rumford, which he afterwards acquired, was born at Woburn in Massachusetts. His ancestors appear to have been among the earliest colonists of this district, and in all probability came originally from England. Thompson's father died while his son was a mere infant, and two or three years afterwards his mother married a second husband, Josiah Pierce, also a resident at Woburn. As soon as young Thompson was able to learn his letters, he was sent to the school of his native town, kept by a Mr. John Fowle, where he remained until his eleventh year, when he joined the school of a Mr. Hill at Medford. Here Thompson made such advances in mathematics and astronomy as to be able to calculate eclipses at the age of thirteen he was bound apprentice to mr john appleby a respectable merchant in salem the second town in point of size in massachusetts his occupations with mr appleby were principally those of a clerk in the counting-house but he appears to have had sufficient leisure to extend his reading in scientific subjects and also to indulge a taste he began to exhibit for designing and engraving at this time he was likewise occupied with a contrivance for solving the famous problem of perpetual motion but was ultimately made to see the fallacy of his expectations by the arguments of an old friend and schoolfellow loami baldwin who induced him to attempt something more practicable though less magnificent at this period seventeen sixty seven the differences between great britain and her american colonies were beginning to assume a serious aspect and there ensued such a stagnation of trade at salem and other towns that mr appleby having no further occasion for the services of a clerk was glad to give up to young thompson his indentures and allow him to return to woburn for the next two or three years thompson's course of life seems to have been wavering and undecided at one time he appears to have had thoughts of entering the medical profession for he remained during some months under the tuition of dr hay a physician in woburn and entered zealously upon the study of anatomy and physiology in seventeen seventy however he resumed his mercantile avocations in the capacity of a clerk at a dry-goods store at boston kept by a mr capon and was thus engaged during the famous riots which took place in that town on the attempt to land a cargo of tea from a british vessel contrary to a resolution of the colonists against admitting british goods these disturbances caused Mr. Capon's business to decline, as Mr. Appleby's had formerly done, 
and Thompson was again obliged to return to Woburn. He now seriously turned his attention to the acquisition of scientific knowledge, and in company with his friend Baldwin, attended a course of lectures on experimental philosophy delivered at Harvard College, instituting at the same time many experiments of his own, some of which proved the germs of valuable conclusions published in After Life. In particular may be mentioned a course of experiments which he began in order to ascertain and measure the projectile force of gunpowder. Thompson, though still only in his seventeenth year, had now acquired a certain amount of reputation. He was also endowed with much natural grace and many personal advantages, which subsequently proved the means of gaining him access to the first circles in Europe. Towards the close of the year 1770, he was invited by Colonel Timothy Walker, one of the most important residents in the village of Rumford, now Concord, in New Hampshire, to take charge of an academy in that place. Two years later, at the age of twenty, he married Mrs. Rolfe, a colonel's widow possessed of a considerable fortune. After his marriage, Thompson took his place as one of the wealthiest inhabitants of the district in which he resided, mixing with the best society the colony afforded. Among others, he made the acquaintance of the governor John Wentworth, who, wishing to attach to the British party so influential a colonist, gave Thompson the commission of major in a regiment of the New Hampshire militia, in which a vacancy had occurred. This act of attention, while gratifying to Thompson, procured him much ill-will from the officers already in the service, and over whose head he had been promoted. From this period he began to be unpopular in his native country. He was represented as a friend of Great Britain, and an enemy to the interests of the colonies. The public hatred of him at length rose to such a height that he only escaped by flight from the ignominy of being tarred and feathered in the open streets. Leaving his wife and an infant daughter, Thompson first took refuge in his native town of Woburn, and then proceeded to Charlestown, where he remained for several months. From Charlestown he went to Boston, at which place he was well received by General Gage and the officers of the British Army at that time in garrison at Boston. Returning in the spring of 1775 to Woburn, he again ran the risk of being tarred and feathered, but was saved by the interference of his friend Baldwin. The commencement of open hostilities between the colonists and the British troops in May 1775 made Thompson's position still more critical, and finding that he could not overcome the prejudice felt against him, he came to the desperate resolution of quitting his native country and leaving his wife and child. To effect this, he first escaped to Boston, where he remained, with his friend General Gage, until the evacuation of the town by the British troops, when he embarked on board the Scarborough, and set sail for England, with dispatches from General Gage to Lord George Germain, the British Secretary of State for Colonial Affairs. Although Thompson arrived in England the bearer of gloomy tidings, and sustaining the equivocal character of a deserter from the American cause, he soon showed that he was a man capable of commanding his fortune anywhere. The capacity in which he had come over introduced him to various public men who were both struck by his abilities and charmed by his manners. 
but a short time elapsed after his arrival before he was offered a post in the colonial office and four years after in seventeen eighty was raised by his patron lord germain to the post of under-secretary for the colonies an instance of rapid promotion which considering the circumstances in which the subject of it stood is almost unexampled the income and consequence which thompson derived from his office gave him admission to the highest metropolitan circles and he had thus opportunities not only of becoming known but also of exercising his inventive mind in many pursuits not immediately connected with his official duties fertility of resources and a disposition to propose improvements in all departments appear to have been his most striking characteristics and it was probably this ready genius for practical reform in everything which came under his notice that recommended him so much to public men while engaged generally in a variety of matters thompson was at the same time following out certain specific lines of scientific investigation his experiments on the heat caused by friction deduced from the boring of cannon are among the best we possess in seventeen seventy seven he made some curious and interesting experiments on the strength of solid bodies which were however never published in seventeen seventy eight he employed himself in further experiments on the strength of gunpowder and the velocity of military projectiles and these were followed up by a cruise of some months in the channel fleet where he proposed to repeat his experiments on a larger scale he communicated the result of his researches on this subject in several papers to the philosophical transactions of the royal society of which he became a member in the last mentioned year on the retirement of lord george germain from office thompson was sent out to new york in the year seventeen eighty one with the royal commission of major afterwards changed to that of lieutenant-colonel charged with the task of organizing an efficient regiment of dragoons out of the broken and disjointed native cavalry regiments which had been fighting on the royalist side this regiment was however of no avail peace was concluded between great britain and the united states and colonel thompson on his return to england obtained leave of absence to travel on the continent in crossing from england to france it happened that he had as a fellow-traveller the celebrated historian gibbon who in some subsequent correspondence spoke of him as the soldier philosopher statesman thompson while on his way to vienna thompson attended a review of the garrison of strasbourg and attracting general attention by his superb english horse and uniform of colonel of dragoons became introduced to the notice of prince maximilian nephew and presumptive heir of the elector of bavaria this prince was agreeably impressed by the manners and address of thompson and furnished him with letters of introduction to his uncle the bavarian elector when thompson arrived at munich so great seems to have been his power of conciliating favour he was offered on his first interview with the elector an important situation at court if he would take up his residence there after a little delay thompson accepted this offer conditional upon receiving permission from his britannic majesty proceeding to london to obtain the required consent he was very favourably received by george the third 
who conferred on him the honour of knighthood and allowed him to retain his title of lieutenant-colonel together with the half-pay attached to it towards the close of the year seventeen eighty four sir benjamin thompson at the age of thirty-one took up his residence at munich and filled the posts of aide-de-camp and chamberlain to the elector being thus connected both with the military and civil service of the bavarian dominions into these twin branches of government he soon introduced many important and salutary reforms he reorganized the bavarian army and introduced many improvements into the art of agriculture as practised in that part of europe he also took wise and effectual measures for the suppression of mendicancy and for the ameliorization of the condition of the poor at munich introducing among them some excellent plans for the economization of food and fuel while investigating this latter subject sir benjamin paid particular attention to the construction of grates and fireplaces and to the scientific properties of light and heat he so improved the methods of heating apartments and of cooking food as to produce a saving in the precious element of heat varying from one-half to seven-eighths of the fuel previously consumed so that it was wittily said that he would never rest satisfied until he had cooked his dinner with his neighbour's smoke to him also is the honour due of being the first to explain the manner in which heat is propagated in fluids in requital of these important services to the bavarian state thompson was decorated with two orders of polish knighthood he also received the appointments of member of the council of state and lieutenant-general in the army was created commander-in-chief of the general staff minister of war and superintendent of the police of the electorate and was finally in seventeen ninety raised to the dignity of count of the holy roman empire by the title of count rumford in memory of the american village where he had formerly officiated as schoolmaster the scientific part of the community also showed their esteem for him by electing him a member of the academies of munich and mannheim and in seventeen eighty seven when on a visit to prussia he was chosen a member of the academy of sciences at berlin when the advance of the french army under moreau compelled the elector to quit his capital count rumford was for a short time placed at the head of the regency and in this capacity succeeded in the arduous task of freeing the bavarian state from foreign invasion this important service increased rumford's reputation with the elector and the people and he was permitted to settle one half of the pension which he enjoyed on his daughter to be paid during her lifetime in the year seventeen ninety eight the elector appointed him his ambassador to the court of great britain but on arriving in london rumford much to his mortification found that as a british subject he could not hold that office shortly after this in seventeen ninety nine his friend and patron the elector charles theodore died deeply grieved by the loss he had sustained rumford contemplated returning to his native country in compliance with a formal invitation which he had received from the united states government he was however led to change this design and remained for several years in london during which period he devoted the greatest portion of his time to the interests of the royal institution of which he may be considered the founder 
the objects of this institution now one of the recognized scientific establishments of the world and which can boast of having given employment to such men as young davy brandy and faraday were to diffuse the knowledge and facilitate the general introduction of useful mechanical inventions and improvements and to teach by courses of philosophical lectures and experiments the application of science to the useful purposes of life such an institution was precisely the one which rumford was qualified to superintend and in its early history the influence of his peculiar habits of thought is discernible in the choice of subjects for investigation by the members rumford's name will ever be connected with the progress of science in england from the establishment of this institution and also from the foundation by him of a perpetual medal and prize in the gift of the royal society for the reward of discoveries connected with light and heat during the latter portion of his life count rumford retaining an income of one thousand two hundred pounds a year from the bavarian court resided chiefly at auteuil a small villa near paris here he was married again to the widow of the eminent french chemist lavoisier his former wife having died in seventeen ninety two Rumford's death took place at Auteuil on the 21st of August, 1814, in the 62nd year of his age. His only daughter by his first wife inherited the title of Countess of Rumford with the continuation of her father's Bavarian pension. She married Cuvier, the naturalist, and survived until a few years ago, forming a link between the age of Lavoisier and those of the middle of the 19th century. Chambers Miscellany, number 161, Encyclopædia Britannica, 8th edition. Voyage de trois mois en Angleterre, en Écosse, etc., par Marc-Auguste Pictet, Fellow of the Royal Society, etc., Geneva, 1802. End of chapter 39